Welcome to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger, and I'm joined always by my co-host, Billy Muzio. And we are honored and excited to be joined by now a two-time First Class Fantasy guest, Bob Harris. I and, very and fortunate. Bob, we're so stoked to have you on. I, I heard this I heard this rumor from Billy that you guys have done all these uh, like Super Bowl podcasts together over the last couple of years, and I felt very left out. So Billy's like, you know what, Theo, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna include you this year. I'm like, thanks, bro. And uh, so we we got you on on here for first class fantasy. Super stoked about it. And Bob, you have a really big, exciting uh, sort of news. Is you are over with football guys now. Um, people are so used to consuming your content other places, but has anything changed? Is it going to be pretty much the the same mo for you this year? And anything different you're doing over at football guys? It'll be fairly similar. I'll be doing plenty of columns, maybe a little less, you know, news updating than what I did at Football Diehards, you know. And by the way, just moving on from there is a uh, horrible circumstances uh, with Emil Cadillac dealing with a cancer diagnosis and just needing to step back. So uh, horrible, horrible circumstance, but couldn't be a better landing spot. I, uh, you know, been friends with Joe Bryant and that whole crew since the mid '90s. So, uh, so it seemed like a natural landing spot, and and they'll probably, you know, give me a little bit of free reign to. To, to do the kind of things I like. And I'm looking forward to that. Lots of video, lots of audio, and I'll continue on with the radio show. Kind of the football diehards on Sirius has become a brand unto itself. So me and Dempsey will continue harassing listeners uh, uh, as normal. So expect more of the same and, 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 and expect an invite, Theo, because man, Billy's on all the time, right? Like Billy's like a regular Billy's like way up there. And I'm thinking, man, man, and I haven't had Theo on. I'm starting to feel a little bad about it. I know. Like, I, I would, yeah, I would, no, I would, me, I not him. Love- Love to. I, I go on with Alan Soslowski and like Jim yep. Coventry and the Rotowire guys a lot. So I would love to. Anytime you need me, Bob, I'm there. But, you know, we usually start out by asking a guest a question here on First Class Fantasy. You know, we, we like to keep it, you know, polite and gracious for your time and everything. But I got to ask my co-host something. We look over, if you're watching this on YouTube, Billy Muzio is from NorCal. He's a San Francisco 49ers fan for life. Uh, and Billy, I got some hard facts for you. We have back-to-back Super Bowl losses from your San Francisco 49ers. They were leading the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and they had that look, the game looked like it was going to be in control, lost to KC last time they were in the Super Bowl. Two Super Bowls ago, it was the Harbaugh Bowl, and that was another game where it looked like San Francisco could win that game. The lights go out in the stadium, Baltimore ends up winning the Super Bowl. Are your 49ers now Super Bowl chokers? Oh, you know, I had a I, I saw this question on the show sheet, Theo, and I decided to um create a jersey here for my Super Bowl uh adventure this Sunday. It's the Life Vac jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh we, we gotta make sure that we're staying safe in the Museo household, no choking. Um, so we're gonna be using the Life Vac jersey here during the Super Bowl, and we're gonna be we're gonna be prepared, but no, in in all honesty, we've had some definitely difficult times in the Super Bowl. Um, I think the last one was the most painful against the Chiefs. Um, if I recall the situation right, there was about four minutes and 37 seconds on the clock. We were up two scores, and all we needed to do was run the ball. And Shanahan, of course, got cute uh, and decided to throw the ball three straight times, and they were all incomplete passes. Um, and that gave the Chiefs a lot of time. So 
I would like to hope that Shanahan has learned his lesson with clock management. He seems to be doing better this year than he has in years past where he continues to throw the ball and try to run up the score and get cute, where I think that all you have to do sometimes is stick to the basics, especially in some of the biggest games of the year, and control the time, control the clock, control the game. And so I think that's what it's going to take for Shanahan to, to kind of overcome this um, – kind of stain on his reputation when it comes to big games is making sure that he's making the right calls when it matters the most. And Bob, anything to add on that one, any takeaways that you can take from the previous Kansas city, San Francisco super bowl game. I'm not going to take too much from that, but I am going to take away something from the fact that Kansas city has most recently been in it and more of the players are familiar with the circumstances and kind of the, the things you go through in a Super Bowl week, the demands on your time and the distractions and all those things. I think that matters a little bit. It's such a big stage and, and uh, hopefully the Niners get, so I picked the Niners going into the playoffs. So I have a little bit of a stake in this and I would like to see them fare well. Uh, so, uh, so I do hope they can, can get past some of the issues they've had in the past with that. And, and look, if it's a learning experience, Shanahan has learned some hard lessons and, and I'm sure he'll be out to right those wrongs. Uh, in this game. And guys, not even on the show sheet, but we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the AFC and NFC championship games. Billy, was there anything you learned from the Kansas City Baltimore game? Uh, I know that game certainly surprised me a little bit. Was it so much of a Kansas City ripping that game and winning it? Or was it a little bit of Baltimore kind of leaving a lot to be desired, the play calling, just their own performance? Uh, What was your takeaway from that game? Well, I believe Kansas City probably played some of their best football. I think Baltimore played some of their worst. Um, And I think that Baltimore lost that game, not so much that Kansas City won that game. There was multiple mental errors. There was multiple um, times where they could have secured the win and they just didn't. You know, we had the goal line fumble. We had the drop passes. We had the penalty after the huge uh, Zay Flowers catch and so there was multiple instances where Baltimore handed away the game Um, Kansas City's been playing with more intensity throughout the the playoffs than we've seen throughout the season and statistically have had two of their best games in the season Um, and so it's hard to stop momentum that's what I'm most afraid about with Kansas City is that they're hot right now and this is a team that you don't want to face when they're hot Um, but I I do think that they are very beatable still we saw them kind of collapse in season and they've had some ugly losses so I think if we can bring that out in them here in this big game, I think that it's anybody's ball game. Bob, anything to add from yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like the, the Baltimore, you know, giving the running backs what six carries or something ridiculous like that was obviously that shouldn't have been the plan. Like I'm they're not great running backs, but but I mean Baltimore's a run first team and as putting the putting the game on Lamar's shoulders against a defense that's you know designed to stop the pass and get after the pass, get after the passer, but maybe not so much against the run. I think uh I think that that was mistake. That was the mistake that will probably haunt them uh, for some time. I think they've mentioned it since then. And also, you know, not to be overlooked is Kansas City has been in these kind of situations. And I think Patrick Mahomes dismissing him, discounting him out of hand because this hasn't been his best year is probably going to end up, you know, being a mistake for people if that's what they do. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit of both. I think Billy, you know, we could, we could talk a lot about like Todd Munkin. That's not what this show's about. But I do think the Travis Kelsey touchdown with Hamilton defending him where they went right at Hamilton on that was like a statement. So a little bit of Baltimore losing it, leaving a lot to be desired. The the Zay Flowers fumble was about as painful a play for a franchise. That's like, that's like one in Baltimore Ravens franchise history. That'll be like one of the more painful things 
uh, to watch and an opportunity to go to a Super Bowl. But start with you, Bob. San Francisco, Detroit. That game did not exactly go how we thought it would. The script was different than we thought, but it turned out to be an extremely exciting game. Detroit gets off to an incredible start, and then San Francisco makes this immense comeback. Really, Brock Purdy, the second half, was just spectacular. I think he was, and and, and most notable as a runner, right? Which, you know, tucking it in and making some huge plays uh, at critical times. I think the big takeaway, though, from the two recent playoff games is the defense knows it's on notice, right? I mean, they, they're acknowledging that it was lackadaisical and, and, uh, and the, there was the effort wasn't what it needed to be. I don't think we'll see that in this game. I'm pretty sure they'll get that corrected. Uh, and if they do, I think I feel a little more comfortable about this, uh, this outcome uh, than maybe I otherwise would. I mean, I just have maybe a little case of the Mahomes jitters, but I do think the two games, you know, have to come back and, and come from behind, especially last week was, you know, in a huge deficit is obviously going to, you know, it's going to, it's going to be serve them well, I think, heading into this game. What was the decibel levels like in the Muzio household during the, uh, during the comeback back, Billy, were you, forced down to like your office in the basement to watch by yourself or was the enthusiasm shared by the whole house no so the kids had to put earmuffs on and go into the playroom as as you know dad was was throwing f-bombs out of of joy of course um and maybe some despair in the beginning of the game but there was a lot of excitement in the house my wife is also a Niners fan so she was all about the game and the comeback she actually went downstairs at halftime to work out because she was like this game's over she like she had no faith and then she comes back up to fill her water bottle and saw the score and like stopped her workout and stayed, stayed for the rest of the game. And she's like, can you rewind it? I'm like, absolutely not. No, we are not rewinding this and not going live. Um, so a lot of excitement in the household. You know, it, it, it was it was a bit daunting because the Niners have just played with this lack of energy and almost look unprepared the last couple of games. And Thea, we've talked about this off air and a part of it to me is like, I, that's why I don't really like a buy in week one. Sometimes so you could argue about it because they sat him in week 18. They sit the first week of playoffs. You're off two weeks. Now, now you're in this lull and you don't have the same energy um, that you would have if you're playing every single week and you get maybe in a rut or you're, you're not, you know, in the same rhythm. And then you come back into the spring of things and you're two weeks now off and it can create some, some, some definitely, you know, mismatches or some timing issues. And so that's what we're seeing. And it seems like it was fixed at halftime and that in that game. And we just saw that, you know, surge of energy and everyone kind of clicking on the same page now. No, it was a fantastic game. And guys, you know, we're, this is not all about like, you know, deep hitting NFL, you know, analysis. I want to know about what your Super Bowl traditions are. Are they, is there a specific thing you love to do every, every year for the Super Bowl, Bob? Like, are you one of these content creators who just wants to dive into it like don't talk to me or are you like you know a, a super bowl party type guy get together guy what what is it like in your in in your household so there is no party i generally do the uh pregame show for the sirius xm fantasy channel that will be the case this year again three hours from three to six eastern time so uh any partying i do will be in advance of that and then during the game but i do like to you know kick back look i don't have a team uh i hate them all equally uh, so, you know, this is a product of growing up in Tucson, Arizona at a time when there was no team in Arizona and everyone I knew came from somewhere else. I was one of the few natives of Tucson, Arizona that lived in Tucson, Arizona. And so everyone comes out. My team is this. So I'm a Bengals guy. I'm a cheater. I, I had nothing. 
And then when the Cardinals moved from St. Louis to Phoenix, I still felt like I had nothing. <laughs> and uh, turns out I was correct. So <clears throat> so I, I get to enjoy the game just, you know, for the spectacle, uh, you know, just for the fun of, how, you know, watching how the ebb and flow goes and all those things. So I do enjoy my, my eats. And I kick back, and usually uh, it'll be just me and my fiance kicking around, and uh, and uh, and having a little quiet party, uh, and uh, and enjoying many snacks of all nature. I love that. And Billy, before we dive into the food, what's the Muzio household look like, or do you take it on the road for the uh, Super Bowl? No road, um, especially once I saw ticket prices this year. Holy cow! <laughs> um, my couch looks just fine. Uh, that being said, I think this is Bob. This is our th- three out of four years now for the Super Bowl that we've done a podcast together. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of been this tradition. Last year, I was kind of in between sites. There was no podcast, but we're back on on the band wagon here with the with the, the Harris Musio talks in the Super Bowl. Um, that's kind of been a tradition for me for the last few years. And then we have food for me has been kind of this, this whole deal. I, I start brisket two days before the Super Bowl. Um, I, you know, get the seasoning on the day before I throw it on. And that 10 o'clock at night, I throw it on Pacific time and I stay up all night and I drink whiskey and I hang outside where it's freezing cold in Oregon and I smoke brisket all night. And then I try to get some sleep in like 30 minute increments once we get close to the stall. And then I wrap it. And once I wrap it, I usually get a couple hours of sleep and then come back out and, and get this thing, you know, checked and off and, and, you know, the bark's already been created by then. But this this brisket has been this this kind of like Super Bowl Bible verse for me where I, I follow it to the T now. Um, unfortunately, tore my meniscus uh, last month and I'm not going to be smoking a brisket this year because I can't get up and down the stairs that easily outside to inside. And so I am just going to be reverting to wings this year with some guacamole and bean dip. So a little boring this year, but... I look forward to being healthy and getting back to the brisket next week. <clears throat> Clarify the bean dip, Billy, because people want to know, are you a seven-layer bean dip guy? Or are you oh, just no. like a – okay, you're just like a traditional bean? Uh, no, it's not – I mean, it, I, I guess – I don't know if it's traditional or not, but it's pretty easy. You do like a can of beans. So you put in a slow cooker, can of beans, a cup of salsa. You use like – I think it's like a half a stick of cream cheese, a cup of cheddar cheese, a cup of, of Monterey. Um, and then you use, uh, I'm missing a couple of grades here, cumin, chili powder. Um, I'm missing something. It's going to drive me nuts, but there's one more ingredient. I can't think of the top of my head. You let it cook together for like two hours and then you got this amazing bean dip. Fair. I love it. Bob, you mentioned snacks. What are your go-to snacks? So as a general rule, I will, uh, make my own salsa and chips. Um, I'm, chips so too. I tend to be a healthy eater. But, you know, and so I like to bake my own chips. That's not necessarily shared in the entire household. Uh, some people would like the uh, the greasier uh, store-bought chips. That's fine. I'm okay with it. Uh, but I do like to make my own salsa, and I will go to great lengths, uh, spend more time than I should. I like to use the grape tomatoes, chop them very finely. They're super flavorful. I like, to, you know, kind of a salsa cruda, you know, more of a, uh, you know, rough chop um not very liquid and uh and delightfully taste a lot of jalapeno a little bit of serrano quick heat slow heat uh get it going plenty of onion and and i'll make some guacamole on the side as well uh always happy to do that and uh and then i'll it's like sunday for me because i have a very regimented pattern during the week sunday is kind of like my free-for-all day i like to make pizza i am a great maker a maker of great pizzas 
I like to get out the old double zero flour and a little yeast and make the dough the day before, let it rise up, fire up the pizza oven there in the kitchen, not the outdoor, indoor, because um, you never know what's going to be going on outdoors. And so I will uh, uh, I will make uh, make some pie and uh, have that as I munch on the other snacks. And there will be an, there, there will be an array of snacks. Uh, my fiance will will bring home a, a, a wide array of things. I'll do a little homemade ice cream, too, though. So it's gone kind of full circle for in the Greminger household. We used to be like Super Bowl party. We'd either go somewhere and then, you know, we had kids and it became a little more low key and it's become kind of like my wife and I, you know, very low key this year, though, my son, who's a first grader is having over a couple of his buddies and like their dads and a couple of it. So it's a little bit, it's going to be somewhat of like a kid and adult Super Bowl party. Uh, and then food wise, I got to say traditional Buffalo wings. Buffalo wings are always a great one on Super Bowls for me, um, but I'm trying to eat a little healthier. So I told my wife, I'm like, hey, she, we're talking about you know where we're getting from. There's a couple Italian spots. I'm on Long Island, so it's it's uh it's a it's a scene. You know, everybody's ordering from all these Italian spots for the uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, but you got to get them in early. And I've told my wife, I'm like, listen, I want to eat a little healthier, so I'm gonna order a, a platter of zucchini linguine with marinara and some grilled chicken. She goes, what's wrong with you? She's like, <laughs> everybody's gonna think you're you're a weirdo. At, at, at our party nobody wants to eat like that so now you know she really really pushed me back on that one billy but we'll have a we'll have a full spread you know some pizza some wings and then a couple of couple of healthy options i, I slid in the zucchini linguine so I, i'm that'll just be gonna say I, you know I'm, i was seven years of just plant-based eating i went back uh, as you get older you need a little more protein so uh so i went back to uh to the meats uh about a year ago but prior to that it was like seven years of plant-based and so Many Super Bowls were spent with uh, things just like you outlined there. I'll tell you guys, if you want to keep it Italian, but you want to keep it healthy, a little, little hack, especially for people living on the East Coast or, you know, more access to good Italian food than, you know, probably Oregon. Um, you, you get a zucchini linguine, good marinara sauce, double order of grilled chicken. All bases are checked and, and you're good to go. But uh, we got to dive back into the, uh, the Super Bowl uh, here, guys. And we're going to talk about prop bets. We're going to talk <laughs> about the MVP. We're going to talk about you name it. We're also going to talk about how these players are looking for 2024 outlook in fantasy after we take a break. Oh, I see it every day online, every single day. Hey, that looks like a great fantasy team in an eight team league. Oh, wish I could be in a league with you, right? Well, guess what? Now you can respond with, sure, let's play on battle. That's the beauty of this platform. This new battle platform standardizes all position scoring. So you just load your team and you challenge your friend, your colleague, Twitter troll, and you can browse other teams and issue challenges. Betel is revolutionizing fantasy football. And with code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match plus a free $10. So even if you deposit 20, you get 50. Think about that. So go to betel.com, the code is UNDERWORLD. Betel.com, the code is UNDERWORLD, or click a link in the description it's fun to be right. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. Theo Greminger and Billy Muzio joined by the great Bob Harris. Guys, you know, it's funny because the traditional NFL fan or your, your buddy who just loves Super Bowls, they really enjoy the Super Bowl for what it is. It's like a, like a closed-down thing. It's a single game. They sit back and relax. But for us in fantasy football, we're always thinking about like what's on the horizon. You're already thinking about 2024. Free agency is like a couple weeks away. 
the the draft combines like two weeks away uh franchise tags coming up so you know when i'm watching these games i'm thinking to myself i don't want my dynasty players to get hurt and <laughs> is this going to affect or is this going to affect my underdog drafts i have a bunch of slow ones going on now so i thought we could go around the horn here billy muzio start with you christian mccaffrey is he the surefire 101 in ppr leagues next year I think you'll see him selected one one probably 80% of the time, but I think you can still make a, a real argument for CD Lamb uh, if you were wide receiver heavy drafter or three wide receiver start leagues. But I think Christian McCaffrey will probably be the consensus 101, but real arguments can be made for for, for CD. Anyone you want to stand for, Bob? For who's your 102? Uh, so, like, I like Lamb as well. And maybe we gain a little clarity on the Minnesota quarterback situation. That could, you know, move Justin Jefferson back up if we get some – like if Kirk Cousins returns, I'm probably going to go back to Jefferson uh, at the top of the ranks. But I do, uh, as things stand now, I have C.D. Lamb at number one uh, among wide receivers. Christian McCaffrey, though, is locked in for me. If I get, you know, like last year, I felt like if, and I did have, you know, like if I had, there were six players that I could reasonably make an argument for as the 101, and I spread it out, then that was a reaction to the year before as Jonathan Taylor all in Palooza, you know, that came out wrong. You just wanted to, to, to get a little bit of variance in there. And, and maybe I'll do that again. We're all in enough drafts where you're going to get a handful of 101s. Uh, so, you know, when you're doing triple digits, <laughs> best ball, that's going to happen. So I'll probably chart it and keep an eye out, and I'll probably vary it a little bit. But I think for the most part, it's hard to avoid Christian McCaffrey for me. He's a player and a half at his position. That leverage over the field is hard to pass up on. Yeah, I agree with you. It is weird, though, guys. Like, you bring up Justin Jefferson – like in a bunch of these early underdogs, I've got some like 106 Justin Jeffersons. It yep. feels super weird. Billy, start with you on this one. Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel? Who should be drafted as the wide receiver one on San Francisco next year? And which one do you prefer? I'm going to say most people are going to say Ayuk. I still lean Debo. I I like the ceiling play, and I like to see the explosiveness on a week-to-week basis from Debo Samuel. It, you see weeks where Debo puts up 40 points. Um, and it's like it happened in, in the playoffs this year, right? In, in fantasy playoffs, where it's less likely for Ayuk to put up that type of score for me. So I'm chasing a ceiling outcome. I'm chasing the the one percent, and I'm gonna go for Debo Samuel week to week consistency. The answer is probably Ayuk, but I'm gonna shoot for the ceiling. I, I think I think that's you know fair sense. But I always look at it like you know who is my first wide receiver? Is it a big hit or misplay? Do I need to even the field out? You know, and normally those leavening agents you look at like Keenan Allen or or those, you know, those steady guys. I think, you know, Ayuk's moving that territory. I think the right answer for me is going to be the cheaper one. That's going to be Brandon Ayuk more. Uh, so I'll have way more shares of him by the time things are all said and done than I have of Debo. But I I, I do agree with what Billy says. I think Debo gives you the, those super high games. So say you start out with a guy that you feel really comfortable with, a really solid, you know, weekly production, and you want to take a chance on a higher variance play. I think Debo is your guy as your second wide receiver early if you're drafting receiver receiver. Yeah, those guys, you could make a case for for both. And I think both's a fine answer. Walk away from your drafts with one of the two of them. You're going to get some really, really big fantasy production. Fantastic, fantastic players. Gun to head, I'm Brandon Ayuk. I just love Ayuk. I'm kind of a sucker for Ayuk. And I do think he's got more expected target volume than Debo. And I constantly worry about like a 28-year-old Debo. As soon as you know he starts breaking down those hits, they add up. Constant, constant nagging injuries. I don't have as much of a worry with uh, with Ayuk, about two years younger. Uh, how about Rasheed Rice, guys? Rasheed Rice is uh, 
been one of the, like the second half of the season stars among this rookie class. Um, he's gone in fuego in early underdog drafts. Where do you predict he'll be drafted? What round in a PPR league, Billy? Next year. Oh, man. Is 2-3 turn too spicy? Because I feel like that's where we're headed. Yeah, I was going to say 2-3 turn. I, I see scenarios where it's going to be like pick 24, pick 23, maybe fall into like mid-round three on drafts. It's going to be a player who's going to fluctuate a bit. Um, and it's gonna, probably going to go early at times, later at times. But I say 2-3 is probably going to be the average. I think that's fair. Like I was just checking back at the, like the most recent drafts I've been. I've seen him go as late as, late as 3-11. I feel like that is probably still maybe earlier than I'm going to be spending on him. There are probably other players I like better in that price range. And and like some of it, like for right now, I feel pretty good about him. Um, but there's going to be moves. And uh, I don't know if the Chiefs are great. Fred Beach is great at drafting some things, apparently. Quarterbacks, running backs in the seventh round. Uh, wide receivers have not been a strength, Rice notwithstanding. Uh, so, uh, you know, if if they if they dip into the draft, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. If they land a big piece of free agency, yeah. I think a lot of people dial back. And if the price drops, my interest will increase. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a really interesting one. We talked about Mike Evans, like a big domino to fall. But I think there's also a chance that they just sign a moderately priced free yep. agent and then they draft somebody at the end of the first round or dip back in the second round. And Rice kind of like is a is a value for early drafters. So a little bit of risk taking him early, but I mean, he certainly seems to have chemistry with Mahomes and you're starting to see him make big, impactful yep. fantasy uh, fantasy scores. Okay, how about this one, guys? Should Isaiah Pacheco be drafted as like RB10? Because that's the price on underdog right now. Uh, Pop, Bob, start with you on that. Uh, the eyeball, the fan of me says yes. I love watching him play. I love the way he runs. If he's going to continue getting that kind of volume, that's the question for me. Like, and I'm going to be focused on volume this year. I'm, you know, as the NFL becomes, at least as I sit here and 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 before I've processed and you know done the crunched all the numbers, the volatility is off the charts. And how can I mitigate that vol? You know, the risk that comes from that volatility is with guys with certain volume. I think he looks to me to be one of those guys, uh, barring any unforeseen changes. The the one possible change, though, that's always going to be there is they get another receiver and the passing game goes back to something, you know, the, to the leading piece of this. And, you know, Travis Kelsey's back. And I'm like, well, we can talk about how Kelsey, well, you know, what, what we thought about, you know, his season. I know it was a disappointment in general, but maybe it wasn't Kelsey and it was still pretty damn good. And, and I think there, you know, there's still some meat on that bone there for him. So, I do think I like Pacheco. I think 10's right around where you're going to see him go, running back 10, which maybe puts him around the turn there or close to it at the 2-3 the turn, uh, depending on who you're drafting with. So uh, I'll probably have some shares of him if I'm going receiver heavy early and he makes it into the third round. Billy? I, it's too rich for me. A lot of his success, in my opinion, although I like his energy and how hard he runs, but a lot of his success has been volume driven and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is now unrestricted free agent in 2024. Uh, Jarek McKinnon is probably not going to be a re-sign. So they're more than likely going to address the position either in free agency or in the draft. So I think we're paying peak prices right now because if they were to sign a name like Derrick Henry or they were to sign you know, an older back that is nearing the tail end of his career that's going to eat into that volume, then we're talking about RB 20, 24, 25 range, maybe. And so I think this is probably peak 
peak drafting uh, time for Pacheco, and I think it's only going to come down. So, Billy, I'm I'm wish casting Henry to Baltimore, so I wish you would not uh, harsh my <laughs> vibe there with all this uh, him to anywhere else talk. I'm with you, Bob. I think Derrick Henry is a Baltimore Raven. Should be. I think like the the Baltimore. Philadelphia, Dallas. If Derrick Henry, leaves, it's going to be it's going to be one of these offenses where he's going to fall in the end zone like fifteen times. It's going to be and awesome. We're all going to be shocked when Harbaugh puts in the bid, the other Harbaugh uh, in Los Angeles to to fuel his uh, run first offense. Oh That's man, true. that would be that would be a nice spot too. Um, but guys, I think Pacheco. It's like we see the year two backs that all took a huge leap forward in fantasy production. We've seen a huge correction in their ADPs. And like James Cook, Rashad White, Isaiah Pacheco, all three of those guys have just steamed up. And I think Pacheco is the one that I think I would bet against just because the other two have cleaner profiles. And I think like we're talking about a seventh round pick. It would be so easy for Kansas City to end up with like a David Montgomery type that just ends up there chasing a ring. And all of a sudden Pacheco has capped uh, volume in terms of his, his rushing attempts. And also Billy... He caught the ball very well this year. I don't think that was the intention. I think you hit the nail on the head. McKinnon was banged up this year, um, which inflated Pacheco's use as a receiver. I, I think it all dials back a little bit next year and he becomes like a purgatory player at ADP. But Bob brings up Travis Kelsey. Is Travis Kelsey playing football next year, Billy? I don't know. He's got a, a pretty sweet gig going on or now. He can fly on private jets down to Taylor Swift concerts and hang out. Um, it'd be kind of hard to to want to come back to football life if that was if that was the, the alternative here. Um, I think he's got another run in him. Uh, if they win, may alter the 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 scenario. If they lose, I could see him coming back again next year. Um, but uh, I'd say I'd say sixty five percent returning next year, thirty five percent no. I'm closer to 70, 30. And, you know, I mean, acknowledging that he said he's going to return does not mean he's going to return. We all know this. But also, I'm curious to see at some point or if we'll hear, you know, missed week one with the knee injury, a hyperextension. I wonder if that maybe wasn't more of a factor into the season than anyone would have liked us to believe. I'm pretty sure it was, you know, certainly a factor early on after his return and how long it lingered. You know, hell, Kyle Pitts is still bitching about his knee, right? Uh, so, I mean, you know, the, a year removed. So, um, so I, I, I'm intrigued by him. I don't know that the price is going to fall enough for me to have a ton of shares of him. I think, you know, I've seen him go one first tight end off the board in at least one of the drafts, but mostly like right after Laporta, you know, third, fourth round. I mean, if he, if he starts dropping a little more than that, I'll, I'll be all in. Uh, it'll be something to watch though. I, I do have a, I have a feeling, you know, that people are going to, who invested first round picks in him that don't play on the regular or, or drafted him early are going to, you know, dial back due to disappointment and maybe there'll be some value to be had at some point. Yeah. I mean, I think that his, like the indecision with what, what's going to happen with him next year is baked into the price on things like underdog right now. Like you can have a, a Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey stack for super, super cheap cheap right now and yeah. people are just avoiding it kind of at all costs you're seeing guys like you know like Jaden Reed occasionally just goes in front of Travis Kelsey which if he announces he's coming back next year there's going to be a huge correction um I don't know Billy it's like I was sitting here bashing the guy a couple weeks ago with you and then he has a strong NFL playoffs <laughs> uh when nobody's accumulating fantasy points um and it's <laughs> sort of like you know once I thought I was out they pull me back in type deal if he falls to a certain point you just can't pass yep. it up because he could be a top five tight end again, and if not tight end one overall. 
Um, but let's talk about one player who we don't have to worry about retiring. A guy who's maybe got the most advantageous contract in football right now is Brock Purdy for the San Francisco 49ers. Got a roommate. I mean, you're a Super Bowl quarterback and he's living with like a backup offensive lineman, um, you know, right around the team facility. I love the stories about Purdy. Um, it's, it, you see, I mean, guys are just coming out of the woodworks. Matt Rule, who's the coach of Nebraska, goes on some rant this week talking about how when he was in Carolina, he wanted to draft Purdy. He was overruled. And now he's the coach of Nebraska, not in the NFL. But Purdy's been all like such an unbelievable success story for the San Francisco 49ers. But Billy, like he was a uh, a waiver wire pickup uh, his rookie season, obviously, when he had this great run and actually gave us fantasy performance at the end of the year. Then this year was a tremendous value. If you were an early drafter in like underdog, people were worried about Purdy's health, whether he would start the year. So there was a lot of like underdog builds where you're having him as your QB two. Then in redraft, it was it was about the same. Like he was never drafted as a QB one. Finishes like fifth in the NFL in uh, passing yards. He's like top six in passing touchdowns. His quarterback rating is through the roof, and he's got elite weapons around him. Where are you comfortable drafting Brock Purdy, Billy? Is he like a top eight quarterback for you, or is that getting a little spicy? Where are you at? I think top 10 is realistic. I, I mean, he finished as the quarterback six this season. So, But people just don't want to throw any respect on what he's done just because of the story and uh, being surrounded by talent in the system. And I'm totally fine with him being a system quarterback. I mean, I'm going to say it. Joe Montana was assistant quarterback of the Bill Walsh offense. Now it's called the revolutionary West Coast offense. And so there are certain quarterbacks that exceed well in systems, and sometimes they just don't do well in systems. And so I'm completely fine with where he's at and what he's doing. And I think that from a fantasy perspective, top 10 is easily in the equation, given the the weapons that he has and the, the system, the coaching system that he has. And so I'm going to draft him as such. I'm telling you what, Theo, a lot of my best ball teams with, because you know me, I push quarterback to the point where it scares people. Theo and I have been in drafts together. And he's like, what are you doing, Billy? Why do we not have a quarterback in round 17? You know, and I can tell you right now that my CJ Stroud and Brock Birdie teams really did well last year. Yep. And I am completely fine pushing that position and finding the value. But Brock Purdy was an excellent value last year and won people a lot of money. I haven't gone back and looked at my team winning teams, but I had a number of them and I'm betting that he was on a lot of them. And, and, and so here, let me do this for all the people I'll be drafting with system quarterback, boring, can't get it done, relies on the people around him. And while I'm drafting, I like, I, I couldn't agree more with what Billy says. I mean, you know, if you're sitting here casting aspersions on the guy, you're not looking, you're not paying attention to the results on the field. And uh, that's what matters to me. I don't care if he's good in a system. I, it's a great system, by the way. And if you have to be a mini Shanahan and execute exactly what the coach wants you to execute to succeed in that system, I'm happy to see that he does that and see that he succeeds in that system where he is surrounded by superstar players uh, at every position, right? There are playmakers at every single position. This is a no-brainer for me. And and the, I think the great news is, is, is you're right. I, I definitely top 10. I haven't seen a draft where he goes in the top 10 among quarterbacks yet that I've been in uh, just the mock drafts that I've done. Uh, the best balls will probably be different. I'm sure people will be taking more chances, um, but I hope they dial back because I'll be all in. Yeah. Best know, balls real quick. I know it's not a Brock Purdy podcast, but can I just share a few stats real quick? Yes, Billy yards per attempt, 9.6 quarterback one. We have play action completion percentage, 69.2% quarterback one. Deep ball completion percentage. Brock Purdy's not known 
for having a strong arm. 55.3% quarterback number one. There are several other metrics in here that he's top five, top three, top six. And I we could sit here and do a whole podcast on this, but head on over to the player profiler page, take a look at Brock Purdy and just look at the metrics. And then I want to hear an argument why he shouldn't be top 10. I, I agree. I could sort of agree with you, Billy. And it's sort of like, well, you know, Bob, you bring up like the, the, the best ball, but it's just so easy to, to have build correlation with Purdy as well because of multiple weapons. And Billy, it's also one of those like quarterbacks that we can pair with his running back too. Uh, shout out to Dan Williamson. Dan Williamson had an absolute monster high stakes team this year, which was a full 49ers stack where I think he had either both wide receivers and Kittle or it was like McCaffrey and Purdy. And, and he nearly won a huge amount of money in that. Uh, so yeah, it's it, Purdy's locked in. He's he's really, really good. And he's also got a little bit of killer in him that he showed like at the end of last last playoff dog. game in Detroit. He's got some dog. dog. He's got some killer in him. Don't let yep. the don't let the don't let the khakis fool you on the way into the stadium. <laughs> He's got true. a little dog in him. Yeah. That is a hundred percent correct take. And, and you saw it on those runs, man. He didn't yeah. just like he didn't slide. There was no, no. slide there. He was picking up every damn yard. So I'm kind of with you on this one. Yeah, no, for sure. Guys, we got to dive into the prop bets, though. Uh, people love prop bets. Are you guys prop bet uh players? Do you enjoy the props? I enjoy them to a degree. Uh, like I, we do a lot of it, you know, a lot of discussions on Sirius, and that will be like a focus on on the pregame show on Sunday. And uh, and, and I'm seeing some of the props, and I just got to, you know, we have some great guys uh, on Sirius. Jason Mizrahi last year from Win Daily hit a huge one. It was a Devonte Smith uh, yards total first and second half at like plus thousand. He hit that one. I'm just seeing he has like uh, Patrick Mahomes rushing yards uh each half like 24 i think it's like 25 rushing yards each half at like a plus thousand or something he's going with that i'm suddenly interested but (laughs) i do i do like some of those i mean you can cobble together all kinds of uh, zaniness so i do like the you know that ability to go in and 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 kind of do a really precise uh thing that that maybe you believe in there's something there for everybody if there's going to be something you believe in and i'm all about that I love it. And I'll start with Billy on the, uh, on like a prop that a lot of people enjoy the Gatorade bath. We talk about in the pre-show right now, purple is plus 275. Orange is plus 350. Traditional orange for like the old school drafters. Uh, Red and pink, you get the combo for plus 350. And then no Gatorade bath is plus 160. Billy, do you find value in any of those Gatorade props? Uh, I like the the two for one, pink and red. I'll, I'll I'll take my chances. I love that. I love that one too. How about you, Bob? I like the purple, man. I'm going. You know, <laughs> that was last year's winner. I'll stick with that, and regardless of the team. By the way, it's plus twenty four hundred for Mahomes, twenty five yards each half. That's good. I, I like the one, and, and uh, you know, you guys are going to dive into the case for each team. But Billy's 49ers, you know, chasing him out of the pocket. And him just taking the the easy six seven yard rush multiple times, you're hitting that. I, I kind of like that one. Uh, you know, Mahomes tends to run a little bit more in big games too. Uh, back to the back to the props, guys. Will Travis Kelsey propose to Taylor Swift? Yes, is plus one plus one thousand sixty. No is minus three thousand. Which way is your money going on this one, Billy? I'm going no. I'm not getting any juice with the squeeze, but I don't think it's going to happen. Billy's laying three thousand dollars. Everyone, <laughs> uh, Bob, your thoughts on this one? 
I'll put a dollar on yes. Yeah, go, go for it. I mean, someone's giving me the plus 1060. Billy, Billy's gonna lose, Billy's gonna lose his shirt at the end of the game. 49ers, 49ers lose, and, and Kelsey drops on one knee. Billy's Billy's it's gonna be don't talk to Billy for weeks. Um, guys, how about the this is an important one before we dive into the MVP team total points. You can find 23 and a half for, for both teams. It's just juiced up different ways. But your initial lean on 23 and a half for either team. Billy, is there one that you lean with on that? Yeah, I, I take the over prime ball. I think, although I could see this being a lower scoring game, I just don't think it'll happen. Um, you got two explosive offenses you got a lot of eyes on, on on the game i'm not an nfl script kind of can you know guy but let's just face it nfl would not allow this to be a you know low scoring super bowl matchup so i'm gonna say i'm taking over on both of them i'm taking the over on the 47 and a half too same okay Easy. yeah so 47 and a half bob and billy both like it i like it as well i think i think i agree with you i think it's gonna be a really entertaining Let's call it a 31-28 type vibe from this game. Now, guys, the one the one uh, bet that a lot of people like betting is the MVP. Mm-hmm. And let's start from the bottom of the players listed. And is it even worth considering? Yes, this can be a yes or no unless you have context. Nick Bosa is plus 7,500 right now. It's pretty hard to imagine that one. So we'll keep moving on. Here's an interesting one. Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle are both plus... 6,000 in some books. Can we galaxy brain a scenario where they catch multiple touchdown passes, but they don't give the MVP to Brock Purdy? I cannot. Yeah, I cannot either. I can't either. They're just so boxed out. I mean, Kittle would have to do like two classic George Kittle, like 75 yard, 60 yard touchdown runs where he knocks over a chief defender or hurdles somebody or does something like incredibly memorable with Ayuk. It's gonna go to Purdy. The credit will go to Purdy, uh, no matter what. It's just hard to imagine him doing it would something. Take three so bounces off face masks, catches to get him there. There you go. Um, okay, this one's interesting. Rasheed Rice and Rasheed Rice. It actually came in big time. Rasheed Rice is plus five thousand. Uh, he's got better odds than Kittle. Better odds than Ayuk. I still think again, it's going to Mahomes if if Rasheed Rice has a big game. Billy. I think so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is this is traditionally a quarterback award. It's very hard where the quarterback does not get it if the team wins and, the, and he does well. So, I mean, we even saw where Chiefs were there last time, and I forget those. Was it was Daryl Williams who had Damian, the, William, Damian, Damian Williams? Damian Williams. I mean, Damian Williams deserved it. Beyond deserved it. He that got, tells you. That tells you. That tells me right there. That's going to the quarterback. So, right. That's that's. I mean, the, he was the person who should have had it. Easy. Okay. So, so well, let's, I, let's, you have to go quarterback here. Okay, so we're eliminating Rice, but now we're at Isaiah Pacheco scenario where Isaiah Pacheco falls in the end zone a couple of times, guys. This could happen, and he's at plus twenty five hundred. A waste of money or worth sprinkling if you're, uh, you know, you're betting multiple spots. I'll sprinkle if I'm betting multiple spots. Yeah, I'd okay. sprinkle as well, but they'll probably give to Mahomes for handing the ball off cleanly. If if what Theo says happens, like if he does, if he gets multiple touchdowns. And you know the and Mahomes does it maybe he gets two as well. I think it would go to Pacheco. Now the one kind of like long odds player that I like is Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel um, is plus two thousand, and you could find it as high as plus twenty five hundred to win the MVP. 
But there's just something about Debo with his versatility, Billy, where he could get a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Or return. Or return in a big game. That's the one, like, I could ignore everybody below, but I would sprinkle a little bit of Debo action. Uh, You want to talk me off that one, Bob, or are you on that one? No, I'm on that one as well. Uh, I mean, I think we've hit the territory where I can tell a happy story about any of these guys. There's one really deep that I think we need to discuss. Though. I don't know if Go it was on it. your sheet or not. NBS. It's it's worth throwing at least 10 bucks on it. it it's Sam Darnold for MVP because what happens if Brock Purdy gets hurt early in the game and then Sam Darnold comes in, they win the Super Bowl. Let's say he throws for two or three touchdowns. All of a sudden, he could potentially be the MVP of the game. Now, it's a long shot, but it's plus 20,000 odds. Worth the well, sprinkle for 10 bucks? Billy, I don't know if brisket's the only thing being smoked <laughs> at the Muzio household. You could basically take your $10 and you set it on fire betting on Sam Darnold, guys. And, you know, that's when you get the the Christian McCaffrey or the Debo Samuel MVP. Is They're, they're not going to give it to Darnold. No shot. No shot. No shot at all. Um, Christian McCaffrey, though, plus guys. Plus 20000 Theo. Plus 20000 Anytime somebody offers you plus twenty grand, you got to put like a dollar Like, I'm a guess. plus money slave. I will <laughs> I will dive into that. Even I'm not going that far. <laughs> Billy's diving in the weeds on that one. Okay, so Debo, we all kind of think is interesting. Travis Kelsey, if you believe in the conspiracy theories, and this is a Taylor Swift-type Super Bowl, Travis Kelsey had only 12 to 1. And, guys, I would, I would like, love to check this historically. I'm not going to check it though, but this has to be one of the lower odds for a tight end to win. Like Gronk had to have been getting 12 to one in a couple of those Super Bowls, something like that. But it was always like Brady juiced up. Uh, I got to say 12 to one for a tight end seems like that's really, really low. Thoughts on either of you guys? I I, I like it. I've, I've seen him like on the board at plus 1700. I think that's like, I'll take some of that. The chat is joining Billy on the Sam Darnold bet. Shout out to Jonas Whale. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'm saying it's worth a shot, man. Ten bucks pays out. Tw- well, I mean, you know, grand. I buy lottery tickets too, so I guess, I guess it is. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Probably better odds than lottery. Okay, so <laughs> guys, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, the it's actually come in. It's 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 down to like only like four to one or four and a half to one plus four fifty for Christian McCaffrey to win the Super Bowl MVP. This one could be like the anti Brock Purdy one. If the 49ers win running away, like this is a really enticing one. <laughs> Billy, want to make the case for, for McCaffrey? Yeah, I I think McCaffrey's probably the, the best positional player outside of the, you know, the two quarterbacks that has the best bet of becoming MVP. Uh, we saw the season he had. It probably, you know, is going to get offensive player of the year. This is one of those things. It's kind of an attaboy also if they win. And here's, here's Super Bowl MVP. Billy is correct. Okay, so we all like McCaffrey a little bit. And then you got the quarterbacks. Brock Purdy at plus 230, and Mahomes is down. Mahomes was, like, closer in. He was, like, plus 125. Now it's, like, plus 150 in a lot of spots. Do either one of those kind of jump at you? I mean, Mahomes is, like, the guy wins another Super Bowl. They'll find a way to give it to him kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's, you know, like, I think Kelsey's in the running there. McCaffrey is on the other side. I think those are the, you know, the two positional players that would limit them. Um, but they love giving them to the quarterbacks. I mean, it's it's worth throwing a few bucks down on each of them. Uh, okay, guys. Now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Bob and Billy, you're going to answer the same thing. How does Kansas City win the Super Bowl? 
Uh, first of all, they don't. But no, second, it's Patrick Mahomes. This I mean, is like a high school high school debate question, Bob. Right. You have to argue both sides. Right. It's it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, to me, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. You know, there'll be some sprinkling of other big plays. I think MVS. You know, they need to. They need one of those Baltimore like you know big plays from him at the right time. But but if they win this game, look, and defense will be a factor too. And Steve Spagnuolo did a great job against Baltimore, even though I feel like he got some help <clears throat> from Baltimore's uh, play calling. Uh, and I don't think he'll get that from San Francisco. Uh, but if he comes up with a with a you know with a scheme similar and and can keep keep Purdy in check, I think that you know you could see a, a strong defensive battle and Pat Mahomes leading the way. Billy, how do your 49ers lose to the Kansas City Chiefs? What's the game plan if you're Andy Reid and Matt Nagy and Spagnola? Uh, they'll lose if they can't get pressure on the quarterback because we've seen them get diced up in the secondary by teams that get time to throw the, the, you know, the game that sticks out most to me this year was Kirk cousins before he got hurt in that game against the the Vikings. And they weren't able to get any pressure on Kirk cousins. He just sat back and diced up the secondary. And so the Niners secondary is the biggest weakness. They uh, kind of hide it with the, uh, uh, with the, the stout front that they have and by getting pressure on the quarterback. And if they aren't able to do that, um, I'm kind of scared to see what Mahomes do to our secondary. Okay. Bob, how does San Francisco beat Kansas city? Uh, Christian McCaffrey being Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you know, that's to me the, you know, the, the run defense, I mean, it's not a horrible run defense, but they're built more to get after the passer and, uh, and stop the pass. I think McCaffrey having a big game and, you know, big game is like kind of meeting what the expectations are hitting is, you know, hundred rushing yards, 40 receiving yards, 30, 40 receiving yards and, uh, and a touchdown and a half will be perfectly suitable to me. Billy. How do your 49ers win? Well, it starts with getting to the quarterback, but we just touched base on that. The second part is going to be quick quick releases from Brock Purdy and getting a lot of slants, getting a bunch of screens. We're going to need to get creative and get the ball out quickly. We saw him struggle in the beginning of the last two games against uh, Green Bay and against Detroit when he was holding onto the ball and having to scramble for his life. So I think that the game plan, or at least it should be, is to to get some some quick slants across the middle, get some screens, get some get some play action, and to really get that defense to bite. And if they get some, if they get the pressure on on Purdy, him making some plays like we saw against Detroit, I you know those those plays were were huge difference makers. Uh, as much as the bounce off the face mask uh, was a huge difference maker, those those runs were greatest in particular. So I, I I don't take that away from Purdy. I think you know if they get the rush on him, and they will. If he can make some plays like that, that'll work in his favor. Who is the fantasy MVP? Forget about who wins the Super Bowl MVP. Which player, if this was week 14 and these two teams are playing and we remove the Super Bowl from the the title of this game, which player is going to have the most impactful fantasy football performance? Start with you, Billy. Uh, it's gonna be Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the guy is just a machine. If he's not, the Niners are losing as well. And so right. I think we're gonna have to get the run going early. We're gonna have to uh, take the ball out of the Chiefs' hands and, and manage the clock. So I think Christian McCaffrey's MVP on fantasy. Second that. And I'm going to third that too. I think McCaffrey's going to go for 25-plus fantasy points, maybe 30. And that kind of leads us into a segue here, guys. Who is your Super Bowl MVP? Start with our guest, Bob Harris. I'm going to go with McCaffrey. Real-life MVP? Real-life Super Bowl MVP. Brock McCaffrey. Purdy. The goat. I'm gonna go ah. with McCaff McCaffrey as well. I'm gonna go with McCaffrey as well. McCaffrey, guys, 
plus 450, that's the bet. That's the Super Bowl MVP yep. bet that you want to make. Uh, you know, they're going to find a way to take it away from, from Purdy, Billy, and give it to McCaffrey. Uh, and I can yeah, hear me out, Theo. Hear me out. The NFL needs a new Tom Brady. They got to start this new era, this new storyline, the script, this David and Goliath, the underline, the, the, the underdog taking on Patrick Mahomes. It's going to start this whole era of the underdog now. So I'm going with the script here. Theo. You can't be, you can't be David in the David Goliath story when you're passing to Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and you have Chris McCaffrey next to you and that defensive front and that offensive line. No, you can't. You can't, you can't, you can't frame that. You know, Tom Brady a little different, little different guys. Okay, <laughs> here we go, guys. We, we're down to the nitty gritty here. Who is your Super Bowl? Who? Let's say the final score of the game and who wins the Super Bowl? Bob Harris, uh, thirty-one twenty-four, San Francisco. Ooh, uh, that's a good one too. I'm gonna say twenty-seven twenty-four. I'm gonna say thirty-three to twenty-four, San Francisco. Christian McCaffrey MVP. And that's all she wrote. Bob Harris, this was really, really fun. Let everybody know uh, where they can find your work. Uh, footballguys.com is uh, where they keep it all. And uh, I'll have a column coming out tomorrow. In, an in and out column for the Super Bowl. There are no outs. I'm going to just give you a foreshadowing here. Everyone's everyone's in play in a one-game slate, people. You all know that. And we'll just kind of sort through those. And uh, all offseason, I'll be doing some instant reaction articles on free agency. And as we head into the season, much, much more. Also, you'll continue to hear me on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, Football Diehards. We've got another week of four shows a week, and then we get into the off-season mode, which is every Saturday. Uh, so be prepared for that until we hit draft time, and then it gets gets busy again. And Billy Muzio, you are headed to Las Vegas right after the Super Bowl. Monday, You're leaving Monday? I leave Monday, yep. So look for Billy. Uh, there's going to be some very cool announcements uh, on the way here from Player Profiler. Billy's been... Uh, Kind of like, mm. you know, any anytime you didn't see Billy on First Class Fantasy this year and you're like, where's Billy? Why is it only Theo? <laughs> Billy was was in the lab cooking. Uh, and we have some very cool this. some very cool announcements on the way. So, Billy, next time you're on First Class Fantasy, uh, you're going to have a chance to really talk about it. But uh, I'm excited for that. And we also have another big announcement on Sunday for a new show coming on Player Profiler as well. First Class Fantasy audience is the first to hear about that one. So we're doing a lot of really cool things here at player profiler check out dynasty life if you're a dynasty player it's my dynasty podcast i had uh bob's colleague from football guys jeff bell on this week i've had you know a lot of the big uh big dynasty follows and some of the sharpest dynasty minds kind of on dynasty life uh press coverage first class fantasy we got you covered all off season long it's been a real pleasure this year for us here at first class fantasy and we hope you have an amazing super bowl weekend Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all of this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.